public service announcement for the end podcast. The following contains adult themes and explicit language throughout. So if this does not reconcile with your sensibilities, please find alternate sources of entertainment or alternatively have a one-man game of hide and seek with a plastic bag. Toodle pip. <laughs> right, <laughs> then we are the end podcast. This is our fifth episode proper and what I should do, which I haven't been doing near enough up to this point is telling you that we are on all platforms we're on instagram we are on twitter we are on youtube we are on soundcloud spotify apple Podcasts. if there's anything that we've missed then please please tell us because we want to be on every point of access for all you beautiful beautiful listeners first of all we've just gone past our 500 listen on all on all platforms And I think that's fantastic. Didn't expect to be at that point by now. And it's just great to have so many people that are, that are coming back. And to anyone that's the first time, welcome aboard. And we hope that you stick around. So today we have a reduced cast as people are off doing things with their loved others. And in the run up to Christmas, I would imagine that this is going to be a constant thing. But I think we can handle it. We've got big enough personalities. I think with Goose and Blake in... And Brian and myself will be able to take you through today with um, the exuberance and excitement that we would usually match with six people. So first of all, if you want to introduce yourself to the people, Brian. Oh, he's first off the bat. It's Brian Boogie Dan Brown. I'm going to kick it like that. It's B-O-0-G-I-D-O-W-N. And that's a tongue twister every single week on Twitter. And you've just got the lean, mean, and sometimes green machine. Let's go, guys. Well, on, on the talk of a green machine, somebody that makes me feel green with envy. Goose, please tell the people who you are and where you come from. Uh, hey, everybody. I'm Goose. Come from Texas, a.k.a. Hell. You can find me on uh, most social medias at 40 ounce underscore goose. And uh, if you're listening and you haven't, I am doing a little giveaway on my Twitter for this mm-hmm. badass little cover for the Ice Cream Man 21. So if you feel like checking that out, you definitely should. Definitely. And talking of hot and hell, let's go on to somebody who is definitely hot as hell. Blake, please tell the people who you are. <laughs> mm. I'm, uh, my name is Blake. I'm from Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, BTMorgan85 and some other stuff. And uh, I am an agent of the end times and I have become what the message commands. Easy. BT Blake is hot as hell. Kansas versus Texas. I don't care who you tell. <laughs> oh, I always put Brian first and leave myself to last so I don't have to compete with that shit. But here we are. Anyway, <laughs> I am the host who never makes mistakes, nor does things in exactly the order that they are meant to do. <laughs> I am Matt, aka Marvel Spank, on all platforms. Or just spank. I mean, I'm flexible. You can call me what you like as long as you pay me attention and look at me at all times. So first topic today is is a sad one. And it's Dave Prouse, the physical on-screen actor for Darth Vader, who was, of course, dubbed over by James Earl Jones. It's, of course particularly sad news that we're we're of an age now well me has come up to 40 shortly that people from our childhood are now getting closer and closer to that age and it and it seems to be something that we'll just have to get used to i'll hand it over to the casting what were your thoughts on the sad news i i uh man that's kind of depressing i uh, i grew up as a huge huge star wars fan but no the the passing of david prouse yeah um 
it just it just brings back feelings. I was actually supposed to to meet uh, Peter Mayhew, who played Chewbacca. Uh, he was going to be at the Dallas Fan Expo. Uh, this was last year, and like the day before the expo, he passed away. Yeah. And they just had this like big, this big Peter Mayhew memorial there. And like everybody that was there got to sign it and all that. And it's just these, um, it's going to be tough because a lot of these actors and a lot of these people that we grew up that played these characters that we love, like we're going to see them, uh, we're going to see them pass away. I mean, we just had it happen with uh, Sean Connery. Um, Man, it's tough. On a positive note, even with us just talking about them now is uh, letting their legacy live on. And so that's, they, they've made an impact enough to where the, I mean, we're, we're talking about them even now that they're gone. And yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, you can see how, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, yeah, I think that's an important thing, especially for someone like Dave Prowse that wasn't necessarily recognized as the physical actor for Darth Vader. Mm. And I read, um, an, well, I heard on the radio an anecdote today that it was something that he did take to heart because when he had the role, he was supposed to just be Darth Vader. And it wasn't until they started cutting and editing, doing the sound mix, that they brought James Earl Jones in. And as a reaction to that, he only ever signed autographs is... Uh, Dave Prowse is Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to, man. There's no visual. And even in Jedi, when they broke his face open, it wasn't him. No. Yeah, that wasn't him. It was no shit. I think it's a great age that we live in, that we have people like Sean Gunn and, of course, the original master of it, Andy Serkis, that are getting the reputation and plaudits that they deserve for it now. And I think there's a big push to just consider it as acting as opposed to having the DGI label in front of it. The Darth Vader guy, Proust, so he was Vader and they didn't use his voice. And when they took his helmet off, that wasn't him either? No, that wasn't him. Oh, that's kind of fucked, man. Yeah. That is so fucked up. It's like, so what the fuck? But um, before we wrap, I heard another interesting anecdote. He was heavily into bodybuilding and weightlifting. And when Christopher Reeves was cast as Superman, he actually took him under his wing and did his weightlifting routine for him and was basically his trainer off screen for a long time. I think we should move on to more joyous topics, not uh, to be disrespectful, but being miserable is harder work than being happy. So <laughs> so today's first news story, the Hawkeye cast has been announced and I believe Brian might have a thing or two to say about this. Hawkeye has really set the bar. So Florence Pugh, who's an Oscar nominee, uh, she'll be reprising her role as Yelena Belova. So she's one of the most intriguing ads, and that presence in MCU is further suggesting that she'll be taking over that mantle from Scarlett Johansson's version. And then, of course, we have the eponymous Hailey Steinfeld played the voice of Gwen Stacy in Into the Spider-Verse. So I don't know how that's going to pan out for uh, Spider-Verse 2. Another piece of awesome casting uh, brings Echo, who is a deaf native American superhero to the MCU. And that is intriguingly played by Alakwa Cox, hashtag no relation. She herself is a deaf native American. So let's just take a minute to recognize just how dope that is. Echo is a character originally from the Daredevil stable of backup dance and her abilities are photographic reflexes, which is an ability also possessed by the mercenary known as Taskmaster. <laughs> Got. Dot, 
we don't. Ooh. We have Tony Dalton as Jack Jack D. Cunesine. I don't know how you know <laughs> I've been but, saying it under my breath. Where is Ollie when we need him? Yeah, where is Ollie? <laughs> yeah, when we need him? Or Joe. It's funny, but, Joe speaks more French on the pod than Ollie does. <laughs> <laughs> so Jack, is Ollie really French? Who don't know? <laughs> yeah, we ain't even got our Canadian resident. Joe could break it down for us. <laughs> yeah, but he's better known as the infamous swordsman. Uh, and I got to say, if I did porn, that would be up there as one of my top names, along with <laughs> probably the mystic sounded Cyclops and more obviously Giant Man, or maybe even perhaps Goliath. Uh, but <laughs> too on the nose, but yeah. So anyway, um, Tony Dalton is famous. Prefer Johnny Ribknocker? <laughs> I don't want to be too like crass or crude, but unfortunately, they're the two things that I'm best at. I'm, I have to say that the, the manly part of me wants to forget about it and move on, but the curiosity in this cat wants to see proof. <laughs> now, now. Not, not in a sexual way, but you know, just like making sure you make all right when you're in the bathrooms, just having a little look. Oh no, that's fine. It looks like mine, we're all okay, we can carry on. Like I just like the curiosity, I, want, I, want, I kind of want to know, like when, you, when you're using words like Goliath. <laughs> Yo, listen, man, we aim to please and I never miss, so you could call me bullseye, whichever which way, Bernie. Um, it's not going to be fair to so the listeners are going to be wondering like, oh my God, oh my God. No, they're not. They're penning love letters to you. You're going to be getting fan mail, mate. You're going to have to get a P.O. box. That's what's oh happening. <laughs> All of a sudden, your Twitter inbox is getting, your DMs are getting filled up, sunshine. Oh, mate, don't even. <laughs> but sorry, I, I've, uh, I've interjected. Please do continue, Brian. All right, so Dordman is going to be played by uh, Tony Dalton, which uh, at least his name is, is pretty straightforward. He's famously known for playing uh, Lelo Salamanca in yeah. Better Call Saul. Uh, so I'm sure he has the pedigree for the role, but I can't personally comment because I've still yet to binge watch that uh, and his pre predecessor Breaking Bad and The Wire and and that. Thorsman is a complex character in the comics alone because he was actually formerly an Avenger, formerly an ally of the Mandarin and a brain in the wash Black Widow. Other cast members include Era Farmidia as Eleanor Bishop. So as you could surmise, Eleanor Bishop is Kate Bishop's mum. She's presumed dead for years and somehow uh, Kate finds her. And then there's a link to Madame Mask because her father, Derek, has bought a new body for himself from Madame Mask and makes him look 20 years younger. So who knows? You know, it's going to be one of them storylines. Interesting thing with two specifically of those choices is Vera Farmiga has a history of playing very complex characters. And I think you're absolutely right with the history of the complexities in Kate Bishop's family that I think yeah, we have an actor that is more than capable of playing that role. I love the, like, even in something that is a slice of life film, like the Up in the Air that she did with George Clooney, that there was still a great duplicity, a wantful neediness, but also a cold, cold heartedness to the character as well. I think it's a fantastic choice. I think with Tony Dalton as well. Yeah. I've never felt the sinister threat of antagonists as with Breaking Bad and 
Let's Call Saul so consistently above almost any other series I've seen. So I can't wait to see how he plays swordsman. The way that I'm looking at it, man, did y'all see those pictures of the set that they were posting all around Twitter the other day? I saw the ones in the subway station. Yes, with with Pizza Dog. The show is going to be a perfect time to not only set up and give us a better history of Clint Barton, Mm. but I think it's going to be Disney's way of pushing us towards Kate Bishop being and taking up the new Hawkeye mantle. We've had Jeremy Renner playing Hawkeye since the first Thor movie. Mm-hmm. And if y'all, they're looking at Florence Pugh to take over the mantle of, of Black Widow because yeah. she's also, Scarlett Johansson's also held the role for a while. Mm-hmm. We could be looking at the MCU setting us up for finishing up telling Clint Barton's story in this series while simultaneously giving us Kate Bishop's background, her story mm-hmm. in flashbacks, and setting her up to take on the role for the future MCU films. I think that's that's a great point well made, Goose. I think Jeremy Renner's been very open and clear about how he felt that Hawkeye was treated in in phase one and that he eventually had screen time, but he was playing someone that was under the influence of Loki and, and, and didn't have enough. And I think when you look at the, the graphs and the charts of of how much screen time each each actor's had, I mean, look at Paul Rudd. He's had two films. Mm. He's had appearances in one, two, three, four of the films. He's six films deep now, and he's had a lot of screen time. He seems like a, an authentic, almost original member, whereas Hawkeye still seems like a spare part. Mm-hmm. So I think you're absolutely right. I think it's exciting for the character, and I also think it's only fair to um, to Jeremy Renner as well. Yeah, no, for sure. Because, uh, you know, and it's funny enough that I bring up him being in Thor. Do you guys remember him being in the first Thor film? Yep. Uh, yeah. My dad goes, hey, hey, look who it is. And I look up and I went, oh, fuck. Hawkeye's firing arrows at Thor. And he's missing? <laughs> what the fuck? So I think yeah. Haley Stanfield's a perfect uh, perfect yeah, actress awesome. to That's hit it. that role. Yeah. I knew it was a name that was very sort of present in pop culture still, but it took me quite a while after Bumblebee to realize she was the young girl from True Grit. Holy shit. No way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> mm, I'm going to go back and watch that tonight. That's the right That's reaction to have. Movie. <laughs> That's the right reaction. What do you think, Blake, about the propensity for these set photo leaks now? And they seem, they seem to be from more and more opportune positions. It's not from a high-rise building zoomed in times, mm. times 100. Do you think that the studio is just wise to it now and they're... And they're, and they're Ryan Reynolds in the shit out of their own stuff. Oh, yeah. They, they knew what they were doing with the photos of Pizza Dog. That was, they, they were, yeah. Had, they were, come, come to the set, take pictures yeah. of the new actress, yeah. look at this little dog. Well, he's not little, he's like a full grown golden retriever, but Pizza Dog is awesome. I'm not sure how much we'll get of Fractions Run. Like, I want a lot of it, but mm. Kate, it didn't have the biggest part in that. Like, she, she was in a few issues but i mean that was a clint comic and then the whole deal with like clint's brother we you know like i, I think it needs to be her show not both of their show mm. uh, so that's where i kind of wonder how it'll how it'll mix in uh the, the comics where she when she shows up in new avengers or young avengers sorry mm. um she, her family's super wealthy yep. and she's just got all these hobbies like she's good at fencing she likes archery that's kind of she takes kickboxing and stuff like she has the money to like hire these trainers and kind of because she's bored right that's how they play it out originally is she's she's bored and she's learning all this stuff 
later you find out that she was like sexually assaulted in a park and wow. never told anyone about it and so then after you find out that happens and uh and she this is why like she learned all these fighting techniques because she was like no one's ever going to hurt me again uh, and that's how she kind of became badass mm -hmm. uh, i don't know i don't think that would work anymore i don't i don't think people want that kind of story arc but yeah in the comics there was actually a, a really cool moment she she tells uh, jessica jones this yeah uh, she's never told anybody this before and just tells jessica jones like has this like big heart to heart with her mm -hmm. and and confines yeah. in her and and just lets <laughs> out this huge secret and so like that was i mean i was like whoa i didn't know i just kate bishop was always kate bishop you know like i, I didn't think she had much of a backstory until i read young avengers um but yeah obviously i don't think disney plus is going to do that uh, yeah. and i don't think they should like i said like th these are story arcs we don't want any you know people don't want that i don't need it there's so hmm. many other ways we can yeah. undamaged kate and make it to where I'd like to see it be a more kate bishop centered joke and then what I'd eventually like to see out of that is something that we haven't brought up yet, but you were bringing up Kelly Thompson. Uh, her her West Coast Avengers is 10 issues, but it's kind of a little cult hit. And I, I really just hope that we can get a West Coast Avengers uh, in the MCU with Kate oh, leading that up, because I think that would be fucking incredible. <laughs> I did brief interchange with Kelly Thompson about West Coast Avengers when they announced the lineup. And I said, how did you feel about having Quentin Quire in there? Because you have someone like Hawkeye that's basically human attributes and human abilities, and you've got a guy that can do anything that he wants. Like, how do you reconcile those power sets? She said the big, big debates, and she did not want him in there, but there was a, a compromise with holding a couple of the characters she wanted against Quentin Quire being in there. And uh, I actually heard on a podcast that she decided after, having to do a force which i think is an absolute monstrosity of a title that she said that she ended up writing a team that she had no creative control over for the members and she didn't want the members in the team so she her heart wasn't in it and was just filling the pages until it was cancelled but she said that was the last time she was ever going to be dictated to through editorial pressure now this one i don't want to give too much credence to as uh, legitimate news but i think it's a really interesting talking point and that is that Dan Stevens from Legion Illumini has auditioned for Magneto in the MCU. Now, it's not from any confirmed sources and it is kind of a bit of scooper, but I think it, it asks good questions of if it is true, how soon do we think he will be introduced? And what does this mean for mutants or indeed the X-Men going forward with the Disney Plus uh, roster and also the the MCU cinematics. So do you want to take this one, Blake? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we, we, when we were talking about this earlier, when you had mentioned if uh, he had been cast for WandaVision and I was like, Oh shit. Okay. I, I didn't even think about that. Um, but I, this kind of led me into a rabbit hole of what's going on with WandaVision. And cause we, it starts next month. Uh, yeah. We get that first episode in January. It's going to be uh, like the Mandalorian. I'm assuming it's going to be one a week. Um, I'm guessing I think uh, ten episodes around ten. Well, or I wonder if there'll be hours or thirty minute episodes, or if they'll just be weird like Mandalorian and every episode's a, a different fucking length. Who does that? It makes like no weird. sense. No sense. 
I didn't realize this. Um, WandaVision has uh, been recorded in front of a live studio audience to get the old sitcom feel. I don't know if you guys knew that. So like, yeah. so that's going to be kind of trippy. They actually, um, um, they actually got the crew to dress up in period clothes as well. So it looked like it was being filmed from the audience. Period. Oh, cool. Not to, not to I was thinking, it. I was like, well, I wonder if, you know, would he be Magneto in this? Because I'm assuming because of having to schedule audiences and stuff like this, a lot of these episodes are probably done uh, to start adhering to the release schedule, especially if it's going to be that short. If it's going to be a six hour deal. We're not going to yeah. have two or three months of releasing. Then I got excited because why would I really want Magneto is for mcu mutants like i'm ready uh it's time and, and what sucks even if he is this is if this is true if he's cast as magneto and they're starting to cast for the mcu x-men it's gonna be fucking years before we get this man like it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a long yeah. way dan stevens he's got some good acting chops uh the stuff i've seen him in though is weird it's so i was like trying to think of like what he brings to the screen and how that would portray with Magneto. And he's definitely got the swagger. Like I, I he's got swagger and confidence and I, I think he'd be a good Magneto. And I like that he's going to be younger. What has he been in before? He was in Legion. He was Beast and Beauty and the Beast. And he was in that Netflix Apostle movie, that really great horror movie. And that movie was excellent. So he's got some really solid acting chops. He's already, uh, he's already been in a Marvel show. And, and we've seen Disney's not care, you know, Josh Brolin was Thanos and Cable, which yeah. was still crazy that they allowed that, but it worked and it didn't confuse anybody. So yeah. it's not, it wouldn't be a big deal for him to come out as Magneto after Legion has ended. But typically, even with the rumor mill, once the rumors start generating, it means one thing. The film is actually being worked on. And yeah. so, fuck yeah. Like if we're having X-Men cast rumors, yep stoked that means this movie is starting to like take more of a shape and will become a thing and you know maybe maybe five years turns into three years or three years turns into two years but Fully. maybe that maybe that gets closer one of the interesting things and i think you're absolutely right uh, with what you're saying is that even if there is truth to it we, we have to remember the word is audition it's not the part i heard this week when i was doing a little bit of digging that Jake Gyllenhaal actually auditioned for seven roles before Mysterio. And we've heard the same thing with Keanu Reeves that Kevin Feige said, oh, he's in the MCU. We've just not found the right role for him yet. So it kind of seems like they have these big name actors almost on retainer, just waiting for the perfect role. And if we know anything about Feige, he's patient and he, he likes to have things just the way he wants. So it won't surprise me if we don't see Dan Stevens, but he's a part of the extended thinking at some part in the future. Um, the one thing that I'd like, well, there's two and they're kind of interlinked. But the first thing I'd like to ask your opinion on, Blake, is going back to how they possibly fit it in. I think with the age of Dan Stevens, it could potentially be a little bit jarring. A lot like the ever young Paul Rudd where he reappears in Endgame and then his daughter's aged up. And I'm kind of like, is this just a little bit awkward because he's so young looking and now she looks like a woman? <laughs> and I feel the same thing with Elizabeth Olsen being, you know, in the same age bracket as Dan Stevens that it might be a bad casting unless it's possibly for flashbacks. I think that's how it could work with one division that he is a young Magneto like we've had with Dominic Cooper um, playing Howard Stark in the past and that possibly that they're casting now because it's something that could be added in post as a flashback and doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the, the current cast. I mean, that was just one way of thinking. What, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I didn't, um, I didn't even think of Olsen about that. That would be a hard 
father daughter stuff. <laughs> and they're both hot as well. Let's let's be honest. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're, uh, yeah, they're good looking motherfuckers. They're good looking people. Well, you can't you can't have an ugly superhero, man. It's uh, they can't save can't save the world if you're a chud ugly motherfucker. You know, He's, that just doesn't work. No one will take you seriously. <laughs> no one will buy your comic books. No one will make your movies. So you got to be beautiful um, to be a hero. And and if you're not, then then society doesn't care. Anyway, just wait to be punched by a hero. That's your role. Disposable, <laughs> disposable cast member that gets punched by. The I hero. lived in that building that fell over. That obviously so many people died. We're not going to talk about that because there was a really cool fight, but that whole apartment building is destroyed. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I just um. Uh, that the flashback is a good point which but also that's kind of a bummer because i i want like a young i really liked fassbender's magneto man i liked the young like the young coxman magneto like i'm gonna swing my dick around this set and uh, he just he really showed up and put his dick on the table you know and i realized i'm saying a lot about magneto's dick right now but i I bet it's beautiful and you know just i don't want to get weird about it but he was a really good magneto because even in the comics now it's like he's he's old man we gave him white hair but dude's got dude's got abs and cum gutters and biceps yeah he's 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 jacked and sexy and like (laughs) (laughs) he's he's not an old he's not an old magneto you know and yeah i don't know how to make that happen with nolson now yeah unless you're just like no they're not daddy and daughter well, they're not in canon now, are they? In the mm. comics, either. Matt, I'll tell you what is canon. It's official in pod canon that Blake wants to fuck Magneto. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, with with a couple of drinks, I might let him do stuff to me. Uh, <laughs> it's Jason Momoa for me, dude. It's Jason Momoa for me. Um, Daquiri Montgomery. Uh, is that his actual name? Yeah, yeah. Where we but, all frantically get our phones out and start thumbing in from Pretty Boy and Stranger Things nude. No, just Pretty <laughs> Say his real name again. Say his real name I again. I think it's Daiquiri Montgomery. Daiquiri Montgomery. Oh, fuck, I, it is. Daiquiri Montgomery. Wow, that's like a porn Daiquiri star. Daiquiri Montgomery. Like, like, you would not name. give two fucks if you were having to pick a stage name. Mine would be like Bertie Big Bollocks the third of Northamptonshire. <laughs> <laughs> Like when uh, Michael B. Jordan decided that he didn't want to be anyone's shadow, so he chose Michael B. Jordan. I would be like, Michael Jordan, the best one. (laughs) The one and only. I'd be David Prowse in it, but it wouldn't be a signature. It wouldn't be an autograph. It would be my name. I would change my name to the only Darth Vader. (laughs) The other thing that I was curious, and I think I'd like all your opinions on this, I think with the flexible timelines um, that we saw Fox take with the X-Men that that it was easy to go to keep on going back to Auschwitz and concentration camps and and to to play with time so it fitted canonically I think the problem is we're not starting from a baseline zero now that we're introducing Magneto into pre-existing canon and do we think that it's still possible or or it's a, a just one thing like Uncle Ben or Thomas Wayne dying that, that Magneto has to be from the concentration camps or do you think there'd have to be an update of that a lot like Frank Castle not being in Nam but being in, in the second Gulf War so that 
he's not basically 70 years old in the comics anymore. So I was just, yeah, curious to see what your thoughts were on that. And would you leave it or would you, or would you think a, a tweak would be essential in the end? I think it, I think a tweak would be both essential and easy, unfortunately, right now, because we have fucking Nazis marching in the street and mm. it's just won't stop. And they're just going to be there forever. It seems like. And uh, so, I mean, I, you, you could definitely, they could definitely make an easy transition for the younger Magneto uh, to put it in the modern setting uh, and just have him embrace his Jewishness. Um, mm. I don't. The, if they're gonna keep having him, I I always liked that. It was those scenes were always cool. Like this Jewish prisoner, just like yes, like murder these fuckers, <laughs> like wrap them up in this metal fence and and throw them, throw them into you know the against the wall. Like those scenes are iconic and they're great. But it's unless you're gonna unless you're going to adjust his um his mutant powers like somehow with like logan where he ages differently uh which makes sense because of his superpower but you're either going to have to change the mythos of magneto one way or another you're gonna have to either adjust his superpowers or you're gonna have to adjust his history uh because of the age and i think but like i said like he, he could man he he something could have happened at a protest some idiot waving a flag could have pulled a gun and i don't and again i don't know if if, if disney has balls enough to do this i think the core thing with magneto is that the holocaust has to play a part of his his story you don't need the whole origin thing but i think it needs to be that you know he, maybe he sees house and he's got a picture of his grandfather or, or his father that um was actually in the camp I think we can't forget that we've not lived in a world without conflicts, like things like Chechnya happened. And that would be uh, an entirely valid um, substitution, if that's not a poor word to use, that, you know, the, the genocide there was equal, if not in proportion, but in totality that, that we saw in, in the Second World War, just in a much more remote region. Well, it'd be very easy for someone of Jewish descent in, in, in an Israel-Palestine situation. You wouldn't have to call them Israel or Palestine. But in a situation similar to that, where, you know, persecution is still very uh, alive. On the, yeah, don't we can say what you want, mate. I'm cutting that whole, that whole bit out when I, when I upload it. <laughs> don't fucking worry. Sorry. She can take sides. I'm yeah, not, no, no, I'm, no, I'm no, not no. including it. <laughs> no, 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 no. I said I was not taking sides. I was just, oh, so it's fine. You yeah, can say what you want. Anyway. I'm definitely not putting this in. <laughs> No, no, please don't. I'm sorry. I'm either I'm either not putting it in or I'm putting it in with a disclaimer with your home address. Okay. And yeah, let's let's start something that doesn't need a disclaimer as the Dan Stephen audition did, because this has been confirmed. Now We've talked about the way that films that films work in the past, and we'll iteratively add to that during the podcast. But we talked about how when films start, they they set up a, an independent company, an LLP, to uh, 
shoulder the potential losses and protect companies from that. And we talked about that in a previous episode. If you, if you don't know, then pull your fucking finger out, mate, and go listen to the old episodes. It's good, isn't it? You like this one? I like this one. You like this one? Go listen to the other ones. It's a, it's a, it's a finite resource, so be careful because, you know, you don't want to get to the end and think, oh, I've wasted that. Well, just listen to them twice. It's all metrics. Anyway, as opposed to me, like, flogging, um, flogging this very living and vibrant horse, <laughs> I think I'll get to the point. So they also have to file uh, movie licenses, which protects the, the film names and the characters uh, for theatrical release. And there was some very interesting ones that have happened, not entirely recently, but before COVID happened. And that was specifically for Ghost Rider and Spirits of Vengeance. Now, we don't know if these are going to be uh, bled into other IPs that we're going to see. We know we're going to have a Blade film coming up. Moon Knight's going to be on on Disney Plus, so I think it's really interesting because Spirits of Vengeance sounds like it might be a team up D plus, or or we might be having a bit more dark and mysterious Marvel at the cinemas. So, what were your thoughts on this goose? And please don't take sides. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, no, I, I was looking into it, and they have all but confirmed that we're going to have a Ghost Rider movie in the MCU coming up, or at least Ghost Rider appearing in the MCU. I don't know if it's going to be a solo film or or, or what. If, if we're just looking at the whole team, I think in the next Doctor Strange film, we're going to get more Mephisto. That'll be the setup for Spirits of Vengeance. Was it, was it Damnation, where it was Doctor Strange? Blade. Wong was the leader. Is that the Donnie Gates run? Yes, with Doctor Strange. What um, the Damnation run started with is there was a mass event and Doctor Strange was feeling very conscious of the amount of civilian damage and lives lost. So we thought that he could conjure magic and undo all the detrimental effects of the superheroes winning, but at, at a great cost in, in Las Vegas. So he cast a spell and what that did was it broke a bond keeping Memphisto in hell and Memphisto in typical uh, in typical Vegas style brings up a super hotel and the the spirits of vengeance which were led by Wong Johnny Blaze Ghost Rider and also Moon Knight and I think with Satana and Hellstrom involved as well I think they've got a lot of those a lot of those pieces on the board and what surprises me with with Marvel Studios is I imagine it's probably like a hundred dollar fee to just put it in and copyright it I don't know why they wouldn't already have their top 200 or 300 IPs already licensed and ready to go I mean the the, the films make hundreds if not billions of dollars why would you not just go with a raft of applications it just seems daft to me but yeah, there's yeah. another there's another casting rumor just to really quick this quickly discuss and 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 I say this knowing that that Feige I, that I believe has had meetings with everybody in fucking Hollywood um, just he's always he's he's always talking with people and it always makes like the the rumor mill news but there's uh, there's there's rumors now of of Leo DiCaprio um, coming into the MCU somehow. Um, and my, my buddy sent me this on Twitter and we were just kind of talking about it and it was fun to think about like who he would be. Um, my, my Dan, Cosmic Dan, actually, he thinks he's thinking, um, uh, doom and, and I think he could do it and pull it off, but he's just, uh, 
He's got, he's still got such a baby face. I don't know. I just yeah, don't like yeah. see doom, doom with a baby, like a beautiful baby face. I don't know, man. And, and I guess he was like a good looking guy in the comics before, because that's one of the deals that like made him go crazy was how he was ruined. His like, his physical perfection was ruined. But I just visually, I don't know. I don't, I didn't see it. I could, Leonardo DiCaprio, I think, could do anything. Um, you know what I was thinking though? And uh, it was uh, Nova. Like I thought he would, I thought he'd make a good uh, a any writer. potential like, Marvel character, or just simply the Marvel Studios previously held characters. Uh, dream, dream scenario. You so you, it could be anything coming out, or just like you know, Matt's hot take of like, why haven't they made this movie yet? And Leonardo DiCaprio should lead it. Uh, I like but, how people keep going to villainy. Like I, I went right to hero. Like, oh, what hero is he going to be? And you're, you and Dan, like right away, you were like, no, I think yeah. he's going to, he could be a bad guy. I mean, Django, he was, a, he was a prick and the villain kind of, but he hasn't. Has he been uh, a? You know who he'd be? He'd be arcade. He'd be a fucking worthy arcade, because arcade's a bit of a mug anyway. But with Leonardo DiCaprio's chops, he'd make him think he's believable. Like he's. You know, he did that film where he knew everything and he was, was it, Can't Catch Me Now, whatever the fuck that film was. Oh, yeah. I'd like to see him as a villain only because you see his, like, I mean, we know he's all got acting chops, but, like, I, my mind goes back to The Aviator where he's, like, losing his fucking mind. And I just, I could put him in some type of uh, villain going up against Doctor Strange. But I just can't put my finger on who I'd want him to be in the MCU, whether it be hero or villain. I know, I know I exactly can't. who it is. I know exactly who it Dario is. Dario Aga. He would be a great yeah, Dario Aga. Yeah. We've seen Roxxon now, especially in the in the Hulu stuff. Roxxon was something that kept on coming up in Cloak and Dagger. Yeah, in Runaways. Man. We saw it in uh, Hellstrom as well. I think that Roxxon, there was obviously, I don't know if it, there were canny Easter eggs, but there was definitely something prevalent with Roxxon. It's kind of like Essex Corp, how that was being bled into the Fox X-Men films. Yeah, that's what everyone thinks uh, uh, old Batman's going to be, right? Wow, what's his fucking name? Christian Bale. Yeah. Do you think there's a chance that he'd be up for mocap cap cool. gore? That'd be cool, too. No, I, I think so, know, but I think Bale think... would be a great Mario I, like, I think, I think the MCU has to got a way to go before go. At least bring in Mighty Thor. And then, you know, I think Gore has to come down yeah. the line. If, if it's too early, I think it'd be a bit of an anticlimax bringing in Gore right now because he's fucking lethal. And I, and I don't want... Well, it's the same with all the YTT things. We're, we're just, like, being serious with it a minute. And this is why I fucking hate Ragnarok. That you've got... Like, if you bring in YTT in, let him do... Like, basically, he just made a YTT film. Like, he... he, he, he he cuts off all existing canon, did, did all the loose ends, and then went, now I'm going to make a YTT film. It doesn't need the budget. It doesn't need superheroes. That would have been any, another one of his films. Absolutely fantastic. If you like that, that's, that's good. I'm never going to say it's not a good film. It is a good film. But when you're doing something as, as emotive as fucking Ragnarok, the end of day is one of the best Thor runs that I've read, probably better than all the Aaron stuff. And, and then it just gets treated like a fucking Jolly Boys outing. And I think that my, I'm hesitant with some, <laughs> using something as 
deep and murky as the fucking god killer and then letting YTT turn him into a fucking Muppet buffoon, then I just like, let's just wait till YTT gets fucking bored with this first. And it's the yeah. same thing with Jane Foster. Like if you have Jane Foster Thor, the whole thing that just made that not just a gender bent character was the tragedy that every time she turned into Thor, did it, did it wiped out her chemotherapy. Now, how the fuck is it, is a fucking, I'm getting so angry talking about this shit. How the fuck is Waititi that can't even take himself seriously gonna, gonna, gonna fucking direct someone that's dying of fucking cancer? This is I the can't... Jeff Johns moment of the week that we mentioned in, in episode two. Matt is having it right now. So next up, we're gonna we have all watched the first couple of episodes of Hellstrom, which was uh, baffling because we didn't even knew that it had been put on any platforms yet, and it has gone completely without hype. Nonetheless, it is an adaptation of a Marvel property. It is of the half breed siblings of the devil himself, and that is Damien Hellstrom and Satana. And yep, it's 10, 10 episodes and we're gonna we're gonna tell you what we thought. I was I was actually pretty impressed. I thought it was incredible, especially that first scene on the first episode when old boy walks into the house and the kids start speaking Latin and he's like, ah, you're not worthy oh, yeah. of my name. And he's like, Oh well, I got this, I got this. Boom, the kid starts freaking out and you know, he's like, I'm gonna rub shit all over the walls, and I'm like, All right, <laughs> I'm into it, let's do it. Uh, you know, I'm all about scat, not just the music. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not I'm true. Yeah. Anyway, not the point. Um, it's one of those shows, kind of like I was telling my dad about New Mutants, that uh, you don't have to know anything about uh, Hellstrom. You don't have to know anything about them even being a Marvel property for you to enjoy the show. And I, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm digging it. I think I'm on episode five. Um, so I I it had me keep going into it. I definitely want to get the uh, get some comics because um, I know nothing about them. Uh, but I do know I do know there's an omnibus, and it's it's only like forty or fifty dollars, so like it's affordable. Um, I think also because it's got Ellis's name on it and he's still not everybody's favorite. Um, oh, really? I think, I think that's why, uh, it's a little cheaper. Um, like, it's funny to me is how, like, it never says Marvel on there and they like kind of altered cool. the name. Um, like it's, it's, uh, it's, it's the, the, the spelling of their names and stuff are a little bit different. Um, yep. but I'm, yep. I'm digging it, man. It's, uh, I, I was raised, you know, a, a a Catholic boy and uh, I didn't like doing what people told me and I always liked scary movies and and I always thought church was a little creepy and I really like the horror religious horror occultist yeah. uh, stuff like I, that's my jam and and this was you know this was some solid jam to, to spread on my PB and J and then snack on it um I think uh I worry about it getting renewed. I don't think it got the views they wanted. Oh, it was uh, cancelled I... already because oh, they, <laughs> they 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 basically um as soon as Feige took over TV as well, he he because that was already in production and pretty much already wrapped, I imagine, that he basically cancelled everything. He also cancelled Runaways, also cancelled Cloak and Dagger in with wow. the on the precipice of of Disney Plus taking over. So they wanted all their eggs in one basket. So all these are just, could be in the same universe, but never interacting. 
they he basically just cut them all off and said no no this is this is not happening Please. that's a bummer but i i do think it's going to be worth finishing uh, i think it, uh, i really um i like the family mechanic when the sister when satana comes in like i think it really starts rolling uh the the lady who plays their mom uh the possessed chick is is creepy as fuck and makes me like uncomfortable sometimes and i like a little scary sometimes i mean it's not like straight freaky out horror but yeah that's i i don't get why they do this with their tv shows man like netflix had such a good thing and they they killed all that and then i really liked runaways was dope i really liked cloak and dagger um you know like they get these they get these shows run and do like a season or two and they build these fan bases and then they're just like hey pal take a little sit on this Mm. sit on this and take a spin and you're not gonna get any more shows anymore i think sorry bro I think the problem that they have is that DC is not afraid to have coincidental characters in their cinematic universe and also on their TV universe. So they're happy to have a flash and a flash where I think Marvel are hesitant at diluting the brand of a character and they do sort of second or third tier IPs, which then don't have the gravitas to have the viewership attached to it. But then likewise, the the heat is never given enough time to simmer to grow uh, to grow its own audience. Like Runaways mm. was constantly surprising, and when you think that it's it was dipping its 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 ideas that it was all to set you up for something that was going to appear to completely confound uh, your expectations. I, I loved what that was doing, and, and you're right. It is a, it was it was. I feel it, their TV stuff was. It was something that they felt obliged to do, but never committed to. So it was never going to last. I mean, I think it's, it's a bitter pill, um, and one that we'd rather take now. The you know, imagine if Hawkeye was on some other network and fucking. Um, I'm I'm actually curious what will happen with with an overlap from TV to cinematic now because the Russo mm. went on record and said that that it was hard enough juggling Taika Waititi, James Gunn, Ryan Coogler, Scott Derrickson. It was hard enough collaborating with those guys with their inverted commas properties and managing that. He said, if I was supposed to do that with another six to 10 showrunners, my job would have been impossible and the film would never have been made. I know that the Russos aren't necessarily booked in to be involved with anything Marvel for the foreseeable future, but it is... I mean, I always think the, the argument I make against the X-Men being involved in, in the MCU proper, other than big events, would that final battle in Endgame been any better if you had 20 mutants in there as well? No. 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 Already too but, but the thing is this, but the thing is this, it would have been a different film. You know, it would have been a, it would have been a different film. So it's, I don't think it's about... It would have been better. a fucking six-hour film. <laughs> exactly. It probably would have been a, a trilogy of fucking Endgame. And a useless tie, a bunch of useless tie-ins. I think what they're doing is they're taking the crossover mechanic from the comic book. How easy, by the way, is Crack Shop's job at the minute? Like, how the fuck do you edit Hickman? Hickman's already <laughs> planned out. Does he just walk in and look at his walls and go, do you know what? This one's... You, you just carry on, John. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't think this, this crazy person wall thing that you've got going on. You just carry on, mate, and let me know when it when it dips below when it dips below two hundred thousand issues a month. Then 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 we can have a conversation about me editing it. But for the time being, keep your crazy crazy person walls and just fucking crack on with it. 
Dude, I, I love I love the new X comics, but like I I'll tell you right away, man. I the editing team on there, like everything feels so yeah. different, and and it's not it, it doesn't feel as connected as I think it should be. Um, I don't I don't know what those teams are doing, man. Like I, I'm still buying. And there's all. twenty fucking titles. <laughs> yeah. But what I've been reading, like a, a lot of older stuff, um, X Men stuff, and really catching up. And when you see the old issues. Like there is, there's always been that many. It's just not been quite front and center. I think because it's mm. Hickman, it feels more obligatory because you don't want to miss any of the threads uh, going into a time. Yeah. But there's always been that many. Mm. Through Marvel now, there is so many disposed. There was like, at one point, there was four fucking Wolverine titles. Four. Yeah. Yeah. four. Gambit had a, a, a run. It's, it's just prevalent with the, and I think, I think with the X-Men as well, I know this is completely fucking going off topic, but... <laughs> They've they've always been like a separate studio. In actual fact, there was a there was a massive reflux after Image set up, and Marvel Comics was actually two different publishers, and there had to be explicit written consent from the X Men team to the Avengers team to use each other's um, characters, and they were, and they resented it and would never sign it off because they saw them as a competing publisher almost, and so for for almost a decade or however long it was, there was no X Men or Avengers crossing over. And, and I think that's the way it's been in the comics. They are almost completely independent. So this, I think, to have a tied in cinematic universe isn't necessarily the truthful depiction that many people are crying out for in inverted commas from the comics. That's, that's a fair, that's a fair uh, yeah. take on the, on the issue. Um, <clears throat> especially now with X-Men feeling like it does. It, it, even when, when big events go on, like when the X-Men come in, it just kind of, it doesn't feel forced, but it just feels like yeah. a separate world coming in, especially now that they've got Krakoa and stuff like that. The only thing that got me was like Bali said that when we we're talking about X-Men, like if you aren't reading all the X-Men, if you're just reading mm-hmm. the standalone X-Men title, like you're missing out. And that's one thing that I do, that I do have a problem with because there's so, it feels like there's so many titles out and they're all so interconnected mm-hmm. that it's hard to read one without reading the other. And I felt that way after... You loved House of X, loved Powers of X or Ken. And when we got into when we got into X Men, I'm up to the seventh or eighth issue on on all the series, but it just felt really expansive and got really expensive real quick for me. Yeah. And so I'm just waiting on Marvel. I'm just waiting on Marvel Universe to drop them, and I'll catch up with you all on X of Storage in three months. Uh, <laughs> and that only leaves us with the final part of our podcast holistic experience and that is what the cast have been reading this week so if you'd like to take us into your world for just one moment brian (laughs) (laughs) take the floor buddy awesome 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 yeah so my top two this week um was um harley quinn from batman white knight presents uh now that universe is on the black DC's black label and it is um top tier stuff it's really good uh, it's presenting harley quinn as actually a serious motherfucker you know not this dainty jumping around bouncy uh, alphabet person who you know like actually it's shown her as someone who had a serious relationship with Jack Napier um dealing with um serious mental issues on a, on a, and um and has got children what i love about black label 
I keep wanting to get into the, the action and I've realised it's not so much about that because of all the things I've just said and I only realised it as I've just said it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's in issue two and it's doing great things. I really want to see where the story goes uh, with that. So yeah, one, one for your picks. And the second one is continuing with Doom. Tim needs to be reading this because obviously it's fantastic for Jason, that's TM Bagshaw on Twitter. Um, because yeah, there's a big catastrophe that happens which sends Dr. Doom to hell. Because of him being who he is, he survives hell, comes back, reclaims his throne as he's known to do and fucking, you know, takes out any motherfucker that even looks at him sideways. And he doesn't want anyone's help. <laughs> That's the dope thing. He doesn't want anyone's help. Um, and um, anyone who's been reading this and saw the episode with um, the issue with Kang the Conqueror and looking at the banter between them, this one does the same sort of thing, but with Reed. And it's brilliant just to see yeah. that and get into Vic's head. So yeah, brilliant read. I love where this series is going, man. And it's looking like it's going to do big things. In any way referential to how Britain's Ghost Rider left off with him still being a part of, of Hell? Or is it Hell with one L or Hell with two L's? Ah, that's interesting. That's two L's. That's okay, well then it's a different Hell because he's yeah, in Hell with one L. Yeah. Yeah, so that's no, okay. Yeah, no <laughs> guardian type hell or whatever. But yeah, um, yeah, that's an interesting distinction. And and I, I know that they do that across, you know, we've got devil and Mephisto. And yeah, we don't yeah. actually ever see the devil, interestingly enough. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah. I feel I feel like with things like this, you just got to accept what's on the page at that moment. Like I think <laughs> that they they've made like a web and you just have to suspend disbelief, like like the the accumulation of all the writers over the the course of the marvel comics that there's not going to be perfect logistical narration that that's spot on and includes everything i mean it wouldn't be too hard for them to just have an online database for the writers but i'd feel that <laughs> feel like you just got to accept what's there like what's this one okay that's what we're going with i, I can i can take that i can take yeah. it uh, yeah <laughs> yeah you in doing good stuff on that book man wicked Okay, well, thank you very much, Brian. And I will now pass the mic to Goose. What have you been reading? Uh, my new comics didn't come in uh, this past week or, or the week before. So I'm like three weeks behind on comics. And so I was dipping into my, my stash and I thought I would uh, just reach my hand into some of my boxes and pull out some things that I've read before. And they both happen to be image titles. Uh, one of them... Murder Falcon, uh, one of my favorite series from Image. This is Daniel Warren Johnson and Mike Spicer. Um, it is basically uh, kaiju uh, battles, but with metal. It is one of the series that made me cry. Uh, if you can get through all eight issues without wow. crying, you're stronger than I am. It's absolutely incredible. It's super heartfelt. Daniel Warren Johnson approached this book with just absolute... Um, fucking awesomeness in mind it's kick-ass you've got murder falcon who is brought to life when jake finds a guitar that brings him there and he's there to fight the darkness 
um and it's just super badass if you like metal there's a lot of uh old metal references and stuff like that super kick-ass absolutely love it eight issues you can pick up the trade paperback or back issues for super cheap it wasn't it's not one of those big sought after ones so you're good but as far as big sought after ones you're not going to find this in trade paperback uh they brian k vaughn and marcos martin and monsa vicente did a five issue series uh for image called barrier a lot of these were done in landscape form now you will only find this in you will only find this in uh floppy form there was a free comic book day uh a few years back as well but um it's one of those ones you're gonna have to work on when you when you read it is a fantastic five issue series but it is in part uh spanish part english and a couple of pages of the last issue are in arabic you can all translate it with google translate like i did they actually have an entire issue uh where there's no words being spoken at all because the characters are deaf at this point uh it is basically brian k vaughn's take on what is going on at the southern border um and how uh you've heard the term illegal aliens uh well there are actual fucking illegal aliens at this point in time and so it is a uh it is told from two viewpoints the viewpoint of a uh take it easy bro uh the viewpoint of a woman in south texas uh north of the border and the story of a man south of the border who they both get involved with these aliens uh there is uh there's a language barrier not just for you reading the book but for the characters in the book and it really makes it a um a very real feel when you're having to go and translate what what the guy's saying to the woman because you can read her part if you can't read his and, and so you really get it, it it's a good it, it gives you a good understanding of language barriers as well as cultural differences especially when the aliens get involved um it is phenomenal it is one of those books that after i got back into comics i picked up and it really opened my mind up to what not only comics could do but what indie comics could be uh i mean it's so goddamn good that it had me translating spanish and arabic for a week and a half and so um that is that is barrier by brian k vaughn uh marcus martin monster vicente and murder falcon from daniel warren johnson and mike spicer who is probably one of my favorite colorists in the game shouts to mike spicer so those are uh my two for the week did that daniel warren johnson start his on an art team early days and then transferred over uh, he does both now. i believe so i've yeah because yeah, he i think he started that off with um extremity when he when he did extremity he yeah, really yeah, took yeah, over yeah. for writing what did you think of extremity, extremity was phenomenal I, I didn't like it okay i'll tell you that. did you read did you read both volumes or did you just read the first one no i wrote i wrote but i i can't not finish something once i've started i i, I read both okay okay fair i um i didn't particularly like the way volume one started out but by the time i got halfway through with it i really liked it and i really <laughs> i really liked the first part of volume two mm. but uh i, I think I, I don't know if i've told you all before i have a hard time like saying that a comic is bad because unless it's just something absolutely awful yeah, yeah. and when it's absolutely awful you can tell uh but i always try and find like a shiny moment in it. and the shiny moment in extremity for me was the the build up to i i don't think it finished very strong 
But the build up to the ending and the midway yeah. of the book was phenomenal. The art is what really grabbed me. I really love Daniel Warren Johnson's art. And I think that that was extremely was him dipping his toes into the writing world as well. But I think he's really found his um, I think he's really found his stride when he gets to Murder Falcon. And Blake, you read Wonder Woman Dead Earth. Uh, how did you feel about that? That was pretty fucking great, in my opinion. Yeah, well, well, uh, Murder Falcon turned him into an instant buy uh, pro for me. So whatever he's involved with yeah. here on like I will buy it. Uh, I have the two volumes of Extremity. I haven't read them yet. But yes, Wonder Woman Dead Earth is one of the best. I, I haven't read like a lot of Wonder Woman comics, but I've read quite You've seen the hardcover? No. I Peter's wouldn't. got him. Uh, yeah. Peter's got him. They're beautiful. It, 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 came out, it came out last week or this Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, uh, no, it did. It did. Uh, I've seen the pictures. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, I I I plan on getting the hardcover, and I bought the four deluxe or not. They're not deluxe issues, but the oversized the black, black label. label magazine. Yeah, yeah, but it's uh, it's a beautiful story, and it's it will I believe go down as one of the best Wonder Woman like arcs um in her history. I really I really think that it was. It, it's kind of mm. an elsewhere feel, but there's still enough of like quintessential Diana to even think of that like yeah we're gonna do a post-apocalyptic wonder woman story and and it's oh. like post post it's not it's not like um uh dc like dc is like current like the world just ended like this is like yeah things have been shit for a long time and let's see what diana's up to um so yeah it's that was excellent and anything he anything he does i will buy um I think yeah, I think extremity was spoiled for me a little bit in the same way that reborn was the mark millar one and that was I was re- I I was reading Seven to Eternity at the same time, and I think with what Seven to Eternity did with expectations and tropes, and with you know chosen one fantasy, he made the central protagonist somebody that you didn't know whether was going to go light or dark. Was he going to act in his selfish interests so he could see his family again, or was he going to do uh, what was best for the greater good? And and all the way through that, it it sort of suspended tropes and took you on a journey that was complete, completely unconventional. So I think that when I read Reborn and Extremity at the same time, which is much more traditional fantasy, I had to hold it in juxtaposition with with Seven to Eternity. But I mean, I, I can certainly see why somebody would like it. And, and you're right, there's only five titles I think I've ever read that I would consider legitimately bad as opposed to not to my taste. So I completely agree there, 100%. I'll go next. I've had a real busy week, so a couple of things that I've not quite finished yet that will be good for next week, but I just want to talk about Silver Surfer Black by Don Cain and most importantly, Tradmore. Now, the problem I have with this, I think when it came out, it was seen as some kind of reformed biblical text and that it was Donny Cates at his most powerful. But I think what was more powerful was his reputation, and that's what this was being judged on. I think it reads like a bottom of the class poetry assignment. I find the the words trite and out of date. I think we've we've mentioned um, Dano on on Twitter but, uh, already in this, and he is the cosmic expert, and he said it perfectly captured the voice of Norin Rad, Silver Surfer. What I would say was that the Silver Surfer was 
perfectly written for the 70s or the 60s and the way that comics have more verisimilitude now and there's a lot less formal talk that I think that it was probably perfectly fitting of a title that was 40 years out of date. I felt it uniquely uncomfortable how gratuitously uh, Knoll was inserted into it. It was complete and utter waste of pages and something that was just setting up the Donny Cates Marvel universe with his original characters. It was unnecessary. It added nothing to the story. And all it did was interrupt the truly sensational art of Tradmore. This title would be better used as an illustration only coffee table fucking wank machine. It looks delicious. It is beautiful. And every single page is a fucking delight until you have to read what Kate's has fucking splashed all over it. You have got something which is bare cum with fucking verbal diarrhea on it. This is every single kind <laughs> of fluid that can poorly be extracted from a human man. It's the best and the worst of what can be produced. I, that is a pretty damning review. However, I would implore anybody to pick this up, to only see it for the absolutely beautiful art that Tradmore has produced in it. So I think you only have two options. You can either buy something or not buy something. And with that rationale, I would still say absolutely buy it. And on that, I would like to know, Blake, what would you say to buy? What have you bought? And what have you subsequently read in the last seven days? Uh, well, just to hop, just to piggyback off of uh, Surfer Black, I I enjoyed it, but the art is the showcase. Uh, the art, the art is like biting into a sort of dry donut, but the the cream filling just explodes into your mouth in a in a wondrous way. Um, that's the art. Um, but I. I do agree. I saw you talking with Dan on Twitter and, and, and Dan likes Don Cates a lot. So like, it's hard. Like if you talk about Don Cates or, or, um, or what, what cosmic stuff, I mean, like he's, he's very opinionated. Um, He's also very well read in those areas. Very much so. Very much. I, I challenge someone to like out nerd him once the Marvel (laughs) world leaves earth like he has so much fucking knowledge of all yeah. those aspects of comics and history um and he, and when i saw that comment he said of like he captured the voice of the surfer yeah i looked at some old silver surfer con comics and it is like that it's it's dated trite poetics um minimal yeah. dialogue um but it's you know worded to sound heavier than it is kind yeah. of like to like and and Donny Cates did mimic that pretty wonderfully. Um, like I said, it uh, it's it's so weird, man. When when you read books like this, because so many people love them and are so about them. And and Silver Surfer Black was pretty fucking massive. Like everybody was really? all about it. Really. Um, and and so it's weird when you're like come out and you're like i'm not as blown away as you guys are and it feels you feel like you're like on the other side of the playground while all the kids are having yeah. fun and uh but i don't get me wrong was- i just want to punctuate it with I'm, I'm really far with marvel stuff since i switched to trades and i've read probably everything that kate's done up to guardians of the galaxy and i've not picked up his venom oh it's yet. good and i've not picked up his he's started his venom yet i arrived at a point last year where i'd read every single indie thing he had 
produced, including the, the title he had on Vault after swearing that I would never read another Vault title without stealing it after a grotesque interaction with Federici, the, the extreme SJW writer that, that, that they have. But I even did that for the sake of completeness for Kate. So I like him. I'm a fan. I think he's a bit more hit and miss than people say, but I think on overall quality, he has some great ideas. So I'm 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 coming from a point of of liking him and being a fan, but this just didn't this just didn't hit with me. Uh, I I think that I think that I mean you're a better placed than I than I am, Blake, because you have the the qualifications. But I think that. In a literary sense, I felt like this was a child trying to write a sophisticated text. I felt that his the, the actual vocabulary and his lexicon wasn't fitting for what he was trying to portray. I felt it was overwordy in the wrong way. I felt that, that the actual wording was what let it down and not stylistically. Now, I'm not in any way undermining what Dan says or saying that he doesn't have a sophisticated appreciation, but I think that may fit in him having read a lot more Silver Surfer than I have and it being a more worthy throwback to how things were written than possibly the current day, which I think is what you were alluding to. So I agree to an extent and also partly have, have a different view on it. Well, no, I mean, there's you're, you're kind of onto something here too, though, because like think of Neil Gaiman and like how successful Neil Gaiman is when he writes... Uh, when he writes about gods and these otherworldly characters that are, yeah. are above and, and beyond what humans are. Mm. When characters wrote like that, when Neil Gaiman first started writing, like he, they had this like ambiance and tone about them where yeah. you had to, you had to write in this manner um, to, to like, so that people knew like a God was talking but yeah, yeah, yeah. Neil Gaiman evolved in his writing. And now when, when Neil Gaiman's gods talk, they talk like people. They have these regular conversations about irregular things. That is where I'm with you. Whereas I like that Kate's, you know, went back and read these old surfer comics and tried to encapsulate that tone mm -hmm. and, and that means of prose and dialogue. But man this is a brand new comic and this was revolutionary art man like the surfer's yep. never been drawn like this before uh, the cosmics has never been drawn like this before in a marvel comic and so there was this like revolutionary vibrance to it that the old time tried poetics dialogue and prose did not necessarily you know jive with like they're they just were at each other's ends sometimes so i agree with that i am not as critical about it as other people are uh, i had fun with it but like i said man i don't know if amazon like messed up when i bought this but i tweeted it on i put it on twitter and like everybody bought it the giant oversized this was 11 dollars. Yeah. and and so like for 11 dollars like I was very impressed with what I got in the mail for $11 and enjoyed it. It moves very fast. It's funny that you call it verbose or say it's like too wordy because it's, there's so little words. It's just like what's there isn't as impactful as they try to be. Yeah, I think yeah. in the end, but I think, it's I think still one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Like that Tradmore art is just he did, he did work on Little Bird, didn't he? Him and Donnie and, and Jeff Shaw were all together at the Savannah Arts Institute. Oh, okay. Okay. That makes sense. Because uh, Donnie, to to, Donnie used to go to SFA for filmography, uh, which is where I was going to school at before I, before I left. And um, it, it's funny because Donnie's from Texas. And, and that's one of the things that I like about him was his indie work. 
because uh, redneck starts in Sulphur Springs, and that that I like I dated a girl from Sulphur Springs. Like I'm I'm like 40 minutes from Sulphur Springs, and him and Jeff Shaw and D Cunliffe like perfectly encapsulated that East Texas feel uh, with that first volume when they were in East Texas, and um, mm. it just it led me to love his work, especially God Country. Dude. God Country is a phenomenal fucking piece. Don't get me waxing poetically on Donny Cates because I will forever. That only leaves us with. Blake, <laughs> take the floor, pal. Uh, it's uh, Jonathan Hickman. Uh, I, th- I think it's probably one of the best comic books I've ever read. Uh, 45 issues in total, no slowdowns, no lackluster issues. Uh, Nick Dragota is this Italian artist who's just a fucking boss, man. Uh, his artwork in this book is amazing. Um, made better by Frank Martin's colors. Uh, Russ Wooten was the uh, letter. All the letters were clean and wonderful as well. Um, yes, the three hardcovers are gorgeous, but however you want to read this, whether it is digital, whether you buy the trades, I think there's nine volumes maybe. Um, this is a comic book you should read. This is how uh, the same thing happened to me with Breaking Bad. For a really long time, everybody was like, watch Breaking Bad. Oh my God, get down on your knees open your mouth and suck Breaking Bad's dick. You suck it good. And I was like, okay, I get it. It's like this great show, like, cool. And I never watched it, never watched it. And then finally, like, I was like, hey, okay, I'll check it out. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm about to suck Breaking Bad's dick. It's so good. And th- th- this comic was the same way, man. Everybody was like, Oh, read East to West, especially because I'm really into the new X-Men stuff and Hickman's writing it. And so everybody's like, oh, Hickman, have you read East to West? And I was like, I was like, I've read some of it. But they're, and they're like, finish it, you fucking moron. What's wrong? <laughs> and so like for, for a long time, like I just I had these books and I I didn't I'm really bad about buying a lot of books, not reading them or reading yes. them like later. Um, you know, like I I'm really good at buying comic books. So I'm really bad at reading them. I just, oh, but I read all the time. I just can't keep up with my in what the intake of comics i can't read that fast this, this is the only use that these will have this is the only use they will ever have is a mic stand a mic stand that's it it's a mic stand it's an expensive mic stand but it's perfect <laughs> if nothing uh, else today so the quality will be up there but they just look so nice though when you buy them it feels so nice and when they arrive opening the box is great and then the, I, I put them on my bed and look at them and then I and then I go downstairs and do some work and then I get back and try to get into bed and go oh guess it looks like you're just going on the pile then <laughs> <laughs> oh but I want to keep you out for a little bit longer but you've got to go on the pile with the rest of the ones that came yesterday <laughs> um I mean, yeah, I, so I do, I do read my omnibuses. I'm just behind and buy too many. Um, but this was a case of that where volume three finally came out last week. Um, and I had the other hardcovers. And so I ordered volume three and volume three came and I was like, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to finish this. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to hit it hard and I'm going to hit it good. And oh my God, was I glad I did that. Like every moment of this comic, every, every character, every panel, there's so much fucking magic in this science fiction new wild west dystopian tale that's also very like occultish and it's about the end times and there's these there's the four horsemen of the apocalypse who are 
done so incredibly different than they've ever been done before on on page or cinema um so these these agents of the end times uh that's why my intro was weird like that's their whole deal there's this message and there are are you an agent of the end times have you will you become what the message commands and like i became what the message commands and, <laughs> and i will forever be an agent of the end times now and i'm so glad i got to experience that um with no delays uh no you know i just i got to hit, uh, read it at my own pace and just finish it and and binge it and and have these beautiful hardcovers for the shelf now but yeah that i only have that one recommendation for the week but i can't recommend it enough and 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 don't do what i did like listen the hype is real like this is a comic where the people that are telling you to read it know what they're fucking talking about and you should get it before these hardcovers go out of print again because they were hard to get for a little bit but like i said you can get it digitally you can get it in trades you can probably go back and buy the singles if that's your jam uh but whatever you need to do to get this in your hands do it uh, so what, you, what you're basically saying is i'm i'm going to go on to amazon now and spend another hundred pounds to, uh, to, to, to support my mic next week you should you should probably go on amazon and spend some money on it yeah okay um, i'll do that i'll do that but just for next week you know the the beautiful arrangement of omnibuses and trades behind you and especially the ones on the floor can you cover them up because every week i see them and then i buy something that i'm not going to read <laughs> till 2022 like legitimately i don't even i don't even bother with recommendations anymore i just go back and look at the floor <laughs> the floor photograph from a few weeks ago oh that one looks nice oh let's go and have a look at garth ennis his punisher oh i'll have a couple of those you fucker <laughs> and then I'm, and then i feel a bit naughty I feel like Blake spent so long like putting this together and I'm just basically counterfeiting all his all his like all his research and buying them and I think shall I post it or, or does it just look like like with the daredevil thing like I was like no but that's a really good idea that you came up with I want to do that too <laughs> and then I started putting it together and, and I, I don't know I'm just a fraud what can I say we've already you, know, you make me feel better man because like I was feeling dumb because I was like maybe I like five omnibuses last month and when I say I also bought other comics and other books but if five <laughs> only omnibuses and then matt's like he gets like an order of like five from amazon in a day and i'm like f it's cool i keep like do you know, do you know what the worst thing is i ordered 10 i ordered 10 and the rest are coming from different distributors <laughs> but you know the problem is i got fucking panic i got fomo panic and i re i saw that the x-men at one point i had about 15 because I, I like pre-ordered all the all the x uncanny x-men ones coming out as well and, and then i realized that i can just do that step by step and i only need to buy the first two before they become unavailable but it's it's hard because the urgency of get them now or don't get them at all and i found out i called up one of the shots that i've discovered in based in milton Keynes. so shout out to read comics i had a good conversation with the guy and he said that there's different coding on their network and there's a purple code that says out of stock but if enough orders come in then they'll re they'll redo the print and then there's like another color stamp that means it's just gone so he said if enough people click on let me know when it's available and then they can put in the purple stamp to the distributor and publisher so like the heart of darkness no i think that's the moon knight one what's the one for daredevil that i can't find well, is that Heart of Darkness, the epic collection? Well, in either case, he said, no, like, if you ever do that, let us know. We'll put the purple 
button on it. And he said there's a good chance of them being not reprinted, but a continuation of the existing print next year. So he was letting me know which ones to, to keep an eye out on eBay and which ones to just wait because they will be continuation of the print at some point. That's that would be some nice knowledge to know, my friend. Because that's every I it's almost stressful, like trying to keep so, like, I don't make a lot of money, I'm bad with it. That's why I have so many comics, but I have to, like, the last couple months, I have to, like, budget my shit. I really want all these Claremont X Men omnibuses, I want the the Claremont X Men library, and I'm having to, like, look at, like, what. So I get paid like the 15th and the 30th, the end of the month. And so I have to like look at releases and be like, okay, well, this comes out the 12th. So I have to like pre-order this on this paycheck and pre-order this on this paycheck and then maybe eat, but you know, whatever, we'll see. And, and so it's like, I have to like plan this shit. I've never ever budgeted before in my life (sighs) till I really started getting into fucking omnibuses and having to deal with them selling out just instantaneously, just like, Boop, sorry you missed it. It's gone. You can buy oh. it for 150 on eBay. No, oh, like, I can't. I, need, I have a house that needs needs carpets, flooring. I need uh, a kitchen to be fitted. I need a roof to be finished up and the guttering to be put back on. I earn enough money, but I still never have any. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me just qualify. Hey, hey Matt. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a problem hey Matt, I'll come do that You fly me to England and I'll come do that work for free <laughs> Right guys, I think that's an opportune moment To, to sign off And um, just before I go Another thing that I should be in the habit of Because we're doing all this lovely and continuous content For all your lovable little ears But I never ask you to subscribe Or comment or like So if you could please do that And if you are listening to us on a on a outlet that allows you to put a review, please hit us with those five-star reviews. If we get some good ones, then I'll read them out at the top of the next episode. So that's important. Like, follow, subscribe, whatever the necessaries are on each platform, and we will send you enough love back and not the kind of love that we aggressively refer to in this, like genuine, heartfelt, from the bottom (laughs) of kind of love. No need to go into more detail. But in either case, um, Blake, do you want to say goodbye to our adoring swathes? Yes, uh, thank you so much for staying with us to the end, and we hope you come back again and again. Uh, thank you for following us. Thank you for playing around with us on Twitter, on Instagram, uh, for watching the YouTube videos that Matt just tirelessly slaves away to post. Uh, I, Matt, I, I would like to just say thank you for doing all this editing stuff, because guess what? Guess what, friends of the pod? I don't know a goddamn thing about any of this. Um, and we just all talk about a bunch of nerdy shit. And then we're like, okay, bye. And then Matt spends hours uh, all week, like making it all sound pretty and putting it together. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for bringing this together and giving us this opportunity. Uh, again, thank you. It's weird to say this fans of the podcast. We have fucking fans. Like oh, we've been listened to 500 times, right? So that's fucking dope. Uh, please keep coming back we really like talking to each other but we really like sharing stuff with you guys as well and um you know follow us on twitter talk about it talk about comics with us talk about talk about food talk about sex talk about you know whatever man let's get weird Just hashtag send nudes <laughs> hashtag send me the nudes hashtag single send nudes. man the single man not just no, the we, want, we want some bros too bros up in the house
dollars. This is dig pigs. Yo, I feel like we're gonna get the nudes that like no, nobody wants. <laughs> like that's, my inbox is gonna be just flooded with things I never but, wanted but to literally, see. But literally, ladies more so. But that <laughs> <laughs> like I don't discriminate, but boobs are best. I believe that is the same, and I believe that is what we're gonna stick to. So uh, Goose, can you possibly add anything to that? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I would like to add on a, a, a thank you as well for the title of story that you put in. Uh, I'd like to say uh, thank, uh, a, a thank you to all of our fans, um, which is also equally weird to say. Fortunately, all things must come to an end, like this episode, which is sad because I really enjoy talking to these guys, and I really enjoy putting out content for y'all. So uh, like, subscribe, give us a review, and uh, y'all have a great week. That's great. That only leaves me. So bye-bye, everybody. And as usual, we have been, and this is... The end.